Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Hot Mike's Podcast. I'm your host, Riley Williams, and today's episode is a great one. We got Neil Curry, who's the current owner of Ready Gunner Guns and Ammo in Orem, Utah, former Army Ranger with the 2nd Battalion, 75th Ranger Regiment, and overall, badass. This man knows what he's talking about, whether it's guns, ammo, all the way down to social media. He even knows a little bit about good coffee. Again, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm super appreciative of everybody, of all the support on Facebook, Instagram, everything. You guys have asked for him. Here he is, Neil Curry. Again, this is Hot Mike's Podcast. Oh, Let's get it. Talking and then get recorded. <laughs> yeah. See, that would be my luck, though. That's 100% that my luck. So, Well, Neil, I appreciate you uh, taking you know time out of your day to, to chat with me. I know that you are extremely busy you guys got a lot of stuff going on you and casey and your whole crew over here at, at ready gunner um yeah thanks for having me on you bet man you bet so i guess first off i mean i so i know your background right because i used to work at the company that you know, kind of helped yeah helped build you know this place come to fruition that part of this place yeah come to fruition but uh i mean uh, just so everybody knows what neil's neil's background from you know my that my quick synopsis is neil was uh, an army ranger, correct, Neil? Yes. Is that army ranger? Um, you were you? What were you? What were you in the? Uh, were you a medic? What no. Um, I mean, I got my EMT uh, when I was in the Rangers. They sent me to EMT course, which they sent a bunch of guys, but didn't make me a medic. It was just you know additional training. Okay, but, uh, I got gotcha. you. No, I just uh, I was just a, a line guy, team guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just a grunt in there, just. <laughs> Just a, a, a mission conductor or, or whatever you want to call it. I was just one of the guys going out, you know, conducting uh, some of the operations that right. were passed down to us. So Just a grunt in the Rangers. I don't know if that's... Uh... Yeah, that's the bulk <laughs> of the guys, you know. The, the, the majority of the jobs in the Ranger Regiment are... are uh, I didn't want to do it. Door kickers, I guess. Right, yeah, exactly. Just, you know, exactly. guys on a, on a team, on a squad. And um, I, I did a lot of the mortar systems. Okay. Um, you know, throw went to the mortar school, did the indirect fire stuff. Uh, but every every deployment was different. They tasked us around pretty good. You know, we I, I worked as an attachment unit to some of the line teams, uh, which was really nice actually because I got to work with different teams. Right, right. Um, and when you, I, when you I, say I, different teams, you mean different teams within the the Rangers, or are you talking like just well within? both? So different. So I got a, I got attached to different teams in the Rangers. You know, I, I mainly worked with ACO mm-hmm. uh, in Second Battalion, and um, but but then also teams in some of the different units uh, as part of JSOC, right? So. Um, you know all the all the teams and yeah, units yep. are incorporated with with that. So it was it was cool. You know, I met the, like Robert O'Neill. I met him overseas. I, I, over I saw in, your uh, your post with him. That's cool, man. Yeah, up in Salerno, uh, Camp Chapman area. He in, killed in some Coast. famous guy, right? Yeah, some dude. I don't know, some bad guy. <laughs> but yeah, so it was awesome. Met a lot of good dudes. Did a lot of a lot of cool stuff. Things things that kind of gave uh, you purpose at the time. You know, there's there wasn't right. You know, people complain about the military. It is kind of a shitty. There's a lot of shit that goes with it. Right. Uh, a lot yeah. of politics that get involved. But at the end of the day, you kind of focus on the guys you're with, the missions that you conduct, and and that's that's kind of the thing that gives you, um, I guess, purpose while in the military and sure. having to deal with sure. with the, the not cool stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah. But yeah. That's, it was that's... awesome. It was a good part of my life. I'm glad I did it, and it, uh, I I contribute a lot to to where I am now and what I'm doing to my, my time in the military. Oh, absolutely. And how many years were you in the military? So I did just under five years in two, seven, five. Um, I got out, I tried the reserves out for a little bit. So I joined uh, because you got anything you don't do in the active, that active duty status, you have to do in what's called the IRR, the inactive ready reserve. Okay. Right? So they put you in this kind of funky holding pattern where it's like, look, you're out, but you're not really out. If we need you, we can come get you at any time within this three-year period that you have remaining in your contract. Right. And like anybody who's looking to join the military, um, you know, there's different enlistments. I think there's even two-year enlistments now, two years, three years, four or five, depending on what your mission, occupation, specialty is, your MOS. But at the end of the day, everything is really eight years. So eight years is your total enlistment time. And anything you don't do in active duty, you have to do in this remaining IR. For a lot of people, that just doesn't mean anything. But for some people, 
uh, like myself, I was actually activated as part of the IRR, Inactive Ready Reserve, and they said, hey, you're going to be joining this armor division headed back to another 365-day deployment oh in Iraq. Keep in mind, I've already done three deployments at this time with Ranger Regiment. Um, at the time, I was actually working on a special project uh, for SOCOM on these new vehicles that were being developed for... Special Forces Green Beret units over in Afghanistan, something that was a little more mobile, more speed, more functional than the Humvees, because the Humvees were these big, heavy beasts. You get them in the sand, they get stuck, you know? Right, Everyone's right. like, oh, the Humvee's the ultimate off-road vehicle. <laughs> Not so much when you throw 13,000 right. pounds of armor on it, right? <clears throat> right, so, it just sinks. And, and they don't move worth shit, man. They overheat, they, you know, max out <laughs> at like 50 miles an hour tops. So they're like, we need something that's a little more, you know functional in the Afghan terrain, something to go off road, something with speed, something that uh, can essentially do all the things a Humvee can't. So we built this vehicle as a prototype. It was, it was through DARPA, if you know what that uh-huh. is. So DARPA funded this project and we built these vehicles and I was responsible as a project manager for training SF units in it over at, uh, the, what is it called? Nevada automotive train NATC out in Nevada. Okay. So we did all this stuff and I get this, huge packet i mean this is like a three inch packet from st louis missouri direct from department of defense i'm like oh shit before i even opened it i knew what it was <laughs> so i'm like i pull it out and it says hey you got 30 days to report to I can't remember it was like some kentucky you know jeez and then you'll do a, like a 30 day some kind of training and processing period there and then you're headed out with the so-and-so division to iraq for a 365 day deployment so i'm i'm like knee deep in this project and we were working with a lot of high-ranking officials and uh you know there's a three-star general a bunch of colonels on this project and i just brought it out to him and i said hey hey look i just got this packet i'm i know i'm on this project i was scheduled to go out to um natc and a couple of these other places yeah el paso we went down to to the base down there to do some training with some units and the general's like well let me see it and then uh, apparently, he wrote this letter to to commander, whoever makes that decision. and said, look, Neil Curry is, is working on this project with us. He is uh, he's important to the, the success of the mission, blah, right. blah, blah. Right. And uh, <clears throat> he's like, he, he's pretty much heading this this whole mission. If you guys take him from us now, then, you know, it, it kind of right. puts a huge hamper on what we're doing. So but two weeks later, I get a letter saying, hey, you've been honorably discharged. Uh, you've been released from any further inactive ready reserve obligations. Appreciate your service, everything else. So, That's awesome. Yeah, so um, I continued on with, uh, with the STRATS project, building these vehicles, doing training. And uh, that, I did that for two years. Okay. And then after I left that, I went and worked for Triple Canopy overseas doing the dim- diplomatic security. See, I knew about that. I knew yeah. about that. I didn't know about the strats. Yeah. So, so four years, four and a half years, Rangers, uh, one year, small arms ready, new readiness group in the reserves. Uh, and man, going from the Rangers to the reserve, man, that's a, <laughs> that's a huge, huge change in, I can in imagine. pace of, of, you know what we did and what i was used to when you say pace you mean like the the, the training that you guys are going through i mean well just not even the training like there's or... really no no training in the reserves you know you do that just show up yeah you you show up and that's what it was and, and yeah. drove me nuts you literally have to go and you have to warm a seat um one weekend a month and we essentially had to make things up to do like what are we going to do today you right, know right we have to get together we're obligated this part of the check the box process we have to get together as a group and do something what do you guys want to do that's tough so a lot of the time it's like well shit let's just do some pt you know at least get in shape or something yeah, yeah. and uh so i i left there um to go work on the special projects did that for two years and then triple canopy for for two more years it was about a year and a half i did yeah. two more deployments to iraq with tc do you miss being in the mix i mean do you miss do you miss being over there you know being yeah, absolutely you know, i mean you miss it, Every job I think you do, I think for the most part, there's there's aspects of it you love and aspects yeah. of it you hate, right? Yeah. Uh, again, I got to work with a lot of similar guys in Triple Canopy running these missions. I was part of the counter-assault team, which I absolutely loved. You know, there's... Uh, Is that where you're doing HVT stuff? No, HV... Because uh, I, I remember, I remember that, hearing... That's on reading. the Rangers. That was Rangers. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. 
didn't but, you, but it changes. So Rangers is completely offensive, right? We're looking, we're looking right, for right, dudes right. to bring back right. and capture them. We got our hit list. Every deployment say these are the guys we're looking for, and you have your intel team, CIA, and everybody else gathering data and essentially gathering these targets for you and say, hey, we have a, a location on so and so, and we were tasked out to go go get them. You know, you're it's like, hey, we can get this guy, bring him back if you can, so we can question him, and if he doesn't want to come back, then you know, dispose of them to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for lack of a better term. But, right. uh, so that was all offensive, which was nice because we were at the, we were the ones going out usually late at night. Right, you know, right. our operations were typically done at night. We rarely saw the daylight overseas unless your air conditioner went out, you know, in the, at two o'clock in the afternoon and you had to go fix it, which, which happened often. Oh, but usually you sleep in the day and you conduct your missions at night and that's it you go conduct a mission sometimes you have uh, what's called a follow-on mission you know you go to a target this guy gives you intel that takes you on to possibly a second or third target that same night right on the triple canopy side it was completely defensive right okay. so our job was com- was just to take uh our our principal target or our principal as you're called just our very important person our vip right, right from the new embassy compound the neck in baghdad to his meetings around town that day you usually uh, you know, government buildings, Iraqi government buildings to meet with local government officials to, to go look at whatever. Right. So, so everybody that, you know, every, again, I don't have a huge audience at all, but everybody that, that does listen to this, they've all seen 13 hours. So that kind of work, is that kind of what you were doing as far as protective? Um, yeah. So there's, there's static security. I think 13 hours is more, um, and there was like Chris Perron. Chris Perron. Okay. I met Chris down at yeah, Shaw show a couple years ago. The, Salt of the earth, dude, man. One of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. I didn't know it was him. This is a funny story that only a few people know. I was, <laughs> so I'd seen, I'd seen 13 hours, right? Uh-huh. But when you see the movie, you only know the actors, you know, you know, the character, you know, the actors that are playing these characters. Sure. And so I'm walking down to, you know, you know how shot shows set up at the sands. I'm going down oh, yeah. to get some pizza or I'm going down to, or going down or going up to Daniel defense booth. And this dude is on his phone and he, he like runs into me and my pizza drops and, and I'm pissed off. I'm like, because I've been standing in that booth for, you know, eight hours straight. And I just, I, I wasn't in a good mood. And I didn't say anything mean, but I think you could tell I was pissed off. And, and he goes, he looks at me, he picks up. He's like, brother, I'm so, he's like, I'm so sorry. And he, anyways, he takes me up and he goes, he gets me another piece of pizza. And then he introduces himself and I introduce myself. And I'm like, that's Chris Peranto. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just, but I would have never, he's walking by himself. Yeah. Doing his thing. Super nice guy, you know. So right there, I was, you know, Chris is actually a guy that I've, I've wanted to meet since then, but I, you know what I mean? It just haven't, things yeah. just haven't worked out like that. But he, like when you say salt of the earth guy, just a phenomenal, Yeah, and phenomenal that, that's, that story describes Chris perfectly. Just mm-hmm. a super nice guy. He'll go out of his way to talk to you, say hi to you. Yep, yep. Um, just a nice guy. Next, next to him and Jack Carr, probably the two nicest guys I know. Really? Um, but yeah, so so same store or, or same kind of thing. Those are GRS contractors, so, right, so kind of right. different mission. Sure. You know, they're, they're protecting certain facilities, sure. uh, typically CIA-based stuff. Um, we were we were working for the Department of State as contractors, right? Okay. So that's the way Department of State says, hey, these guys work for us, but they don't work for us. Yeah. If they do something stupid, they work for Triple Canopy, yeah. not the Department yeah. of State. <laughs> so... Uh, and, and there's different teams, you know, most of our teams are movements. We're moving, again, we're moving people around. Mm-hmm. We're just, we're just shuffling people sure. around, trying to get them from point A to point B safely. That's it. That's our job. How many guys are on your team? In a, in well, a, I was part of the cat team. So we were a five man team, which okay. was awesome. So kind of going back to the Ranger days, where as a kind of an attachment to, to these teams. Um, so there were the teams that took people around and they were usually like, you know, eight, 10, 12 guys. Right. And we were an attachment, so it was it was me and four other dudes in one one up, up armored suburban. We had all the big guns. We wore kit. We had the two forty. We had the saw. We had so you're not running plain clothes. Two threes. No, so awesome. we were escorting. We weren't really because depending on the target, like these guys don't want these military esque looking sure. dudes on sure. in these government buildings. Like, what the hell is going on? Right. So most of the teams are wearing suits. They look good. They have the the slick, what's called low pro stuff. Uh huh. You know, and maybe they're just carrying pistols. Maybe they got like a, a small MP5 under their jacket or something like that. Everything mm-hmm. was was mission specific, and the principal could decide and say, "Look, I don't want any military looking dudes. Like, you put on your fucking suit." Right. And you come in and you just look like you're a businessman, right? Yeah. 
That's depending awesome. on what part of town, they'd say, hey, let's take the cat team with us. This is a bad part of town. There's been some shit going on. We get intel reports every single morning of saying, hey, look, this is what's been going on around town. You know, there's been a car bomb going off here. Right. Rockets landed <clears> here. <throat> we've heard, uh, we've got intel that some dudes are doing some, some naughty stuff in this area. <laughs> so stuff. we're going to that area. Let's take the counter assault team with us just in case because you got the big guns. But we would typically run the the six o'clock position in the motorcade we pulled up the rear and then we would position ourselves in a certain location at the at the compound um usually at the entrance or something like that to just pull security while the team went and escorted the person to their meeting and then they came back out and we'd escort them so we were like the <laughs> the reactive combat suburban so we you're going in town you hit some kind of shit right their job was to get the principal back to the compound as quickly as possible right. while we stick back and we deal you with deal whatever with bullshit is going on, right? <laughs> yeah. So Do you have a lot of issues? They I mean, break you have a contact lot of... while we react to contact. That was the job. Do you have a lot of stuff go down or no? Or not, a... not, not in that sense. I mean, there's some stuff where we had to you know, do certain things, but I mean, we never were going like cyclic rate on the 240 or anything like sure. that. Uh, usually most stuff kind of happened on, on site right. and in right. route. Um, so that's, but, that's but that awesome. was, it, it was a little more nerve wracking to be honest, because we were always on the defensive, like you're going through yeah. town and there's, I yeah. mean, Baghdad's some heavy traffic area. You got a counter flow. Like if the, if the traffic in front of you stop in, we'd have to go on oncoming traffic. Cause you never, you never stop the motorcade. Right. Like right. we don't stop at a red light and to wait for it to turn green. Like you're fucking going around that thing and, <laughs> and cruising. Right. Right. So, so it's, it's weird going from the Rangers to now you're doing a very more of a reactive role where yeah, you're reacting we're to everything. We're just waiting for something to happen. That's tough. And then you can react instead of, you know, having the LMS surprise. Yeah, so that's, that's super it was, tough. It was different. But again, a good job. A bunch of good dudes from different units. Um, that's awesome, man. See, I didn't, I didn't even know about that. I mean, I, it's, I feel like everybody is kind of the same way where they – they they know that there there's there's special operations there's you know government contractors and things like that but dude it's i mean it's a whole it's a whole uh network you know what i mean of different things that you can do um, it is it's, it's wild. The, i mean most of those guys were soft guys too so there was a lot of guys i actually knew from from regiment or deployments from other units oh really that i already knew i mean i knew probably a dozen of the guys already when i went over to to Iraq on the diplomatic security thing, so it's cool. I follow Sean Ryan a lot. You know Sean Ryan? Uh, he's a he's a SEAL. I do know him. So yeah. I, I know who he is. is it, yeah, yeah. So I, I follow him, and he's got a story. He has a story with uh, I can't remember his name. He does the TNQ podcast. He used to do the TNQ podcast with Latrell, um, the long-haired guy. Um, it's gonna drive me nuts. He's the one that he like talks like this, brother. Have you? Do you know who I'm talking about? It's gonna drive me crazy. Um, I want to say it's Sean something. Anyways, he, uh, so it, yeah, it's just, it's funny listening to their stories. You want to, you start listening to the seals and all of a sudden they're talking about being pinned down wherever. And all of a sudden one of their buddies from, from buds comes out of this helicopter, come, you know, to come, to come help them out. Yeah. And it's just a super small world. I mean, when you start talking about military, you know what I mean? Especially the special operations and special forces, whatever. I, I don't know what term you guys like to use. Um, you know, yeah. I mean, special operations is what it is. I mean, that, right. When people talk about, I mean, special. Everyone calls special operations special forces. That's the biggest mix-up, right? It's like, well, special forces, which is its own unit, right? Special forces is a unit. It's not. It's not a conglomeration. Special operations incorporates a bunch of units. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, man. Yeah, it's 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 funny. So to kind of backtrack a little bit here, um, I've so I've told a bunch of. Not a bunch of my buddies, but I told my buddies that I talked to um, that you know I'd be talking with you, and you know they they you know they're they're from Missouri. I'm from Missouri, so they they looked you up and they started you know they came up with some questions and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so one of their questions was, um, and and it's, it was a great question. It's it's online. You can you can see that you you went into the military at age 24. Mm -hmm. Yep. And that's technically well. It's typically older than most people I was. People I was one in. of the older, not the oldest, but one. Of, there was a 30-year-old dude in my basic training, but I was probably top five, one of the older guys in basic. Most of the kids in there are like 18, 19, even some 17-year-olds in so, there. So what, what, what drove you? I know that you used to do river guiding and things like that with, I believe it was your grandfather and your father's company. Yeah, my, my is that yeah. Was that what, I mean, I know you went in after 9-11 that you said that pissed you off. Um, I guess for me, I want to know what, I mean, with nobody being in your, in your, in, 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 correct me if I'm wrong, but if nobody's been in your, you know, nobody in your family has been in the, the military, what, 
what compelled you to be like, well, shit, I'm going to go do this and I'm going to be a fucking ranger. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, so I, I worked, like you said, I worked as a river guy from a young age. I was rowing boats um, on commercial river trips South when America. I was 14, mm-hmm. right? So I traveled to a lot of places. I lived in South America rowing classified whitewater down there, Figueroa, Futulefu. Um, for anybody who's familiar with the river world, you know, these are some, some world class, some of the most famous whitewater river trips in the world. Um, I was doing stuff in China, India. I did a first descent in India with my dad on the Sutledge River. Shit. I did one in, in Venezuela on the Caura. It's like a tributary of the Amazon. That trip was freaking wild. Um, uh, Figueroa was a first ascent down in Chile and South America. So, I, I mean, I'd traveled probably to every continent, even Antarctica, uh, by the time I was 18. You know, and Seriously? I would, yeah, so... I did a lot of outdoor stuff, a lot of adventure. I spent most of my childhood growing up under the stars. That's awesome. And and absolutely loved it. You know, even when I lived home and I was home off a, off a trip, that was I, would, I would take, Is yeah, I worked in Idaho. Um, I worked here locally in the summers on the Grand Canyon with a company called Colorado River and Trail Expeditions. It was a family, uh, uh, Dave McKay, the owner, was a good friend of my dad's. They guided together when they were younger, and then he started his own. So I worked for him on Desolation Canyon, Grand Canyon, Cataract, Westwater. And again, Cataract, Grand Canyon, Westwater, yeah, these yeah. are some big rivers, yeah. you know. So For sure. And then and then on my time off, what would I do? I'd go camping. You know, I'd pack my backpack, and I'd grab a couple buddies, or sometimes even by myself, and I'd go out for four days. That's uh, awesome. I was, I, you know, 13, 14, I was camping by myself. And I, I look at my kids now, like my 14-year-old daughter and my 12-year-old son, and I can't imagine telling him or him coming up to me like, hey, Dad, I'm going to go on a three-day backpacking trip. I'm like, cool, who are you going with? He's like, oh, I'm just going to go by myself. And I'm like, yeah, that's totally fine. You know, it's kind of a different time where back then I was yeah. doing that. I was yeah. his, his same age. Would you be okay if he did? If he came up you know, I, I, obviously I'd want to support it because that, that would be pretty – if he came up, that would be pretty badass. Yeah. Like, Dad, I want to go camp for three yeah, days. Yeah. I'd be like, well, let me go with you at least. You know, let me go with you and then uh, just so I know you know how to make a fire and carve a stick when you're not going to yeah. chop your finger yeah. off or something, which, I mean, I know he knows how to do that because we go camping as a family all the time. Right, right. 12 acres in the mountains we go. And people are fucking crazy these days, though, too. Like, yeah, you know, I mean, it, it's, it it's, is. I mean, we're a lot more populated. There's a lot more people. I mean, you're seeing stuff on the news where people are like carving out, like, yeah, the, all the um, carvings down south, not the carvings, the petroglyphs and, yeah, and yep. hieroglyphs and things like that, exactly. which is complete bullshit. Um, so, I mean, yeah, there's there's some dumb people out there. So, it, it is a different time, and I think that's the biggest thing. But uh, obviously, as a dad, I'd, I'd be proud and one would want to. Oh, for sure. It, but for sure. But yeah, so that's that. I kind of grew up with this adventurous childhood, and when I was 24, I was still doing this. And my my goal was always to take over the family business. But to be honest, like I I would always watch my my mom and dad struggle financially. So I'm like, how good of a business is this? Because they're always complaining about money, not complaining, but but trying to find a way to pay the bills, you know? Right. And as I got older, like when you're a kid, you don't really clue into any of that. But when I was older, I always watched him struggle and I'm like, Oh, you know, maybe there's not a lot of money in the family business. Like what else could I do? Right. And, um, I was never a huge gun guy. Like my family, we never had a gun. The only time I ever shot a gun was when I had to go hunting with my buddies, you know? (laughs) And, and before I was 18, I'd maybe been on two hunts and like, yeah, I shot my first buck was like this spike, this tiny little (laughs) spike. And I was super proud of it. And hell yeah, man. That's awesome. Yeah. I think it was barely legal. Um, (laughs) Oh gosh, there's gonna be a lot of jokes with that. But um, <laughs> so uh, anyway, I oh. I just I'm like I wanted to go join the unit. I was into the Rambo movies. I was you know I, I watched sure. all these movies and loved it. And I'm like those guys are totally badass. I want to be a badass. Uh, and then September 11th happened, and that's com- that's kind of what took me over. How old were edge. you when September 11th happened? 21. 21. Yeah. So I was 21. So it was a few years after. Sure. Right? Sure. But uh, <clears throat> obviously, there was a lot that went on. The war started shortly after in Iraq. Uh, I think it was 2003, you know, when, yep. when Bush declared war yep. in Iraq. So that's when I'm like, well, I guess it's time to go and do my part. So you just made, I mean, you just made a, one day, it was just like, well, yeah, I mean, how that, much thought that's how it worked. Like, I asked my wife, like, there's some things I, I'm like, yeah, I either do it or I don't. If I do it, I'm just, let's just fucking do it. Like, I'm just going to go in. Like, my thought process is very short. Yeah. Um, short of starting a business, which even for me is a, a you know, I, you got to crunch your numbers and everything like that. But at sure. some point, and one thing I've learned in my life is 
you have to make a fucking decision at some point. I can only crunch numbers so much or, or mull over a decision. At some point, the only way I'm going to realize if, if it's good for me or not is just fucking do it. Yeah. And I, yeah. you know, from the time September 11th happened, if you think about it, and this has kind of played a part in the decisions and how I make decisions now, sure. was two years from the, or three years from time September 11th happened to when I joined the military. And I'm like, holy shit, if I would have joined when September 11th happened, when I was thinking about it, <clears throat> I'd already be three years through my enlistment right now. You know, I'd be a fucking E5 running yeah, exactly. missions, but now I'm still just getting ready to go into basic training. Like I should have done it back then. I'm like, fucking let's do it. Yeah. So when I, you know, I, I asked my mom and dad, they told me no. I asked my, my girlfriend <laughs> at the time, um, who later I married and is now my ex-wife, but I asked her, she's like, no. And I'm like, cool, I'm going to do it. <laughs> so I went in and absolutely, it was awesome. And obviously, if I was going to go in, I'm like, I want to be, you know, one of the best units there is. I yeah, want to do sure. something. Like, I don't want to end up just joining the military and not doing anything, like ending up and yeah, yeah. doing whatever, what is on some base state side. Right. So I did a bunch of research and the Rangers have what's called an option 40 contract, which gets you a, a straight line to regiment as long as you pass everything. Okay. And the recruiter, who was a civilian recruiter, apparently it was this test phase where the Department of Defense was testing out like civilian recruiters. Right. So he didn't know shit. You know, it was just some guy off the street recruiting dudes. And he's right. like, I don't know, man. He just signed this paper and it just, you go to airborne school. And he's like, but you, it says here you should have but like a backup plan. Like, what do you want to do if you don't make it? I'm like, I'm going to fucking make it. He's like, no, you have a backup. I'm like, I don't want a backup plan. Just leave a fucking blank. I'm going to make it. <laughs> So I went in and made it, you know, it was a basic AIT airborne school, uh, and then straight to Ranger indoctrination program, which is just four weeks of shit at this place right, called right. Cole Range out in mm -hmm. Fort Benning, Georgia. Uh, you say four weeks of shit. Yeah. It, it's is that where you're doing your, your land nav courses and stuff? It, yeah. I mean, Rangers is, is like 70% land navigation. Right, right, right. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, but it's essentially an attrition school where they beat the shit out of you for four weeks and you just have to survive and you do that. You have land nav missions and I think they just do that to take up time. It's like, Hey, you got day, daytime uh, land nav, nighttime land nav, uh, and then carry this log on your shoulders to yeah. the, what's called the wood line. And they, you got hit the wood line is what they called it. Right, right. So, and I was a taller guy. I was talking about this the other day to somebody else because they're like, well, how does that work if you have shorter guys? Because I was one of the taller guys on my team. The short guys don't have any weight on their shoulder. Because right. if you have two tall guys, they're, they're carrying, carrying the bulk of the weight. And right. these guys just have their fucking So they don't have up. Smurf crews like in, like in Hell Week and stuff like that. No. Food no, I bugs. mean, that would be smart, right? Where we should be like, dude, get, get off my log. Go over there to the, the <laughs> Smurf crew or whatever. But. Right. But anyway, it was what it was. So it just sucked. And, you know, it's the whole sleep deprivation, sure, food sure. deprivation. It was cold and you're always wet for some reason. Like your BDUs are always either soaked from sweat or just the dew at night and, right. or rain in the day or whatever. For those of you that don't know what BDUs are, that's your battle dress uniform. Um, but, yeah, we, we – uh, it's I, I follow Goggins very closely, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I don't know him at all, never met him. But, you know, because he had gone through buds. Yeah however many fucking times he did that, what, three times, whatever it was. But he also went to ranger school. And, uh, and to me, it so to me, ranger school sounds more difficult than Bud's did because Bud's, I, I, think, I, I think ranger school, it requires a little bit more um, critical thinking than a lot of stuff in Bud's. And, and again, I may be 100% wrong on that, but it just sounds like it's a lot more in-depth. Um, yeah, that's what David Goggins says in his book. And uh, I think the attrition rate is pretty similar for both. Oh, really? And I think it comes down, just like anything, it comes down to an individual basis, yeah. right? Yeah. Like uh, like Ranger School, I can't imagine. I mean, it was just the shittiest school there is, you know? <laughs> like, I can't imagine. The, the thing about Buds is you have Hell Week, which is five weeks of the sleep deprivation. Five days, right? Yeah, five days five of days. sleep deprivation um food deprivation all that but the rest of the time you're getting your meals you're getting some decent right decent right. sleep you know um where ranger school it's like 60 fucking days of that you know 60 <sighs> days other than like when you come back to resupply they could let you catch up on some sleep and things like that but it's like hey here's two mres and if you get two hours of sleep at night like that's a good fucking night you know some nights we're 45 minutes of sleep that's um, crazy and i went through in the winter which was just horrible because oh. you're you're shaking constantly you're shaking for like 60 days and uh even when you go to the florida phase you're like oh i'm going to florida it's going to be warmer it was like 
it was still, I mean, obviously it was warmer, but it was still cold. Um, but coming out of Dahlonega into uh, the Florida phase, because Dahlonega, man, was so cold when I was there. We lost eight dudes of hypothermia one night when we did this this peak climb. That's one up day. in the mountains. Yeah, Dahlonega. So, but in then Florida, you're always in the water. You have to do these river crossings, so right. you're always soaking wet. Um, Jeez, so every man. phase kind of has its challenge. But uh, you know, I don't want to talk about which one's harder or not because that's right, a bit right, of butt, exactly. So I, I exactly. can't, that's... I can't really give you feedback. Goggins has, so he can, but. Uh, Maybe one of these days when I'm real good friends with David Goggins, we'll talk. Yeah, like I'm not going to be like, oh, you went to budge, you're a pussy. You know, you should yeah, have done ranger sure. school, you know, or vice versa. But I think all those guys who've been in those things, obviously, they all can deal with the suck. They all can, can you know, work and conduct missions and sure. distress, which is the whole point of the schools. Sure. And, uh, you know, although you pass either one, you're baddest in my book. But, uh, oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, it's it, it, that's crazy, man. I mean... So you talk about, you know, being cold. So, I mean, the physical conditions, I mean, I kind of want to look now at like the mental side of it where, um, you know, you're dealing with all this stuff all day long, you know, and going through ranger school. Was there anything, I mean, that made it particularly more difficult or made it easier for you to endure mentally, mentally? I mean, did you have anything else going on in your life that, I mean. Well, my brother passed away right before I went into ranger school. Um, Serious. So in, in the Rangers, you have to go, and this is just specific to the Rangers. I think other units kind of have their own what's called pre-Ranger. So there's only so many slots of Ranger school. I think the bulk of them are given to the regiment guys because sure. anybody can go to Ranger school. You know, it's, it's mainly reserved for, for actual like 75th Ranger Regiment guys. Sure. Um, IOBC like officers. And then whatever slots are left over will go to, you know, some other units where they're like, hey, do you want to go to ranger school? Like there's a dude from Mongolia in uh, in my class. And like a Mongolian. The, yeah, Mongolian soldier. Didn't speak a fucking lick of English. <laughs> so trying to like communicate with this guy, like, like luckily a lot of the stuff in ranger school is like hand signals and shit. Right, right. He was actually a super fucking cool dude. Uh, we lost him. He failed the Darby phase. Which sucked because I really liked this dude. He was this just hardcore, bass Mongolian. And it wasn't that he couldn't put up with the suck, but I would think it was more of his inability to conduct a mission. So the way yeah. you pass ranger school is you have to conduct these missions. And then you have an instructor and he gives you a pass or uh, a go, no go um, grade at the end. And you don't know. Like as soon as you conduct the mission, he's like, okay, cool. You're done. Fall back in line. And so you finish the phase. He doesn't say if you passed or didn't pass at the time. So you got to go through the next, you know, 10 days or whatever it is, not knowing. And then at the end, they're like, oh, oh. You, you failed. Get in this group. You got to recycle. That's cool. But anyway, so going into, into ranger school, I was in pre-ranger at Fort Benning, like most rangers have to go through. And I found out my brother passed away. Uh, it was drug overdose. You know, he was. I'm sorry. He. He was he was a good kid who was kind of in a bad way. Uh, his name was Alex. Uh, just just a cool personality right sure um but he just kind of got him with some bad kids and how old was you know, he at this time uh let's see <laughs> i was it was 06 so i was he was 24 probably Jeez. so anyway i'm in pre-ranger i'm in a, what's called a patrol base you know we're, we're doing learning how to do these patrol bases and things and i'm sitting there with my fucking 249 pole security and one of the ris comes up and says hey neil uh you know the command needs to see you that's I'm never like, a good thing. Right? Yeah, we, which doesn't up. happen. Like, they don't pull people out and say, hey, we need to see you for a minute. Right. So I'm like, that's kind of fucking weird. Yeah. Go into this, the, the, can't remember who it was. It's pet, probably the guy who, like, runs a ranger school, like, the, the school commander or whoever. And he's like, hey, they don't sugarcoat anything in the rangers. Like, they're like, like oh, I don't know how to say this. Like, you'll walk in. He's like, hey, your brother's dead. You know? No shit. Like, it's, it's pretty much that blunt. Um, like, hey, your brother passed away. What do you want to do? Here's your two options. Uh, we can either send you home, you recycle, come back and do pre-ranger and ranger school again at another date. Or you guys are doing, uh, we're doing land nav, which is a three-day. You have day, night, and then there's a makeup day for anybody who fails a portion. Um, and anybody who passes, they get that day off. So they're like, if you can pass uh, the two portions of land nav, whatever time you have left over, you can go home and come back before we move on to the next phase of pre-ranger, I'm like, fucking, I'll do that. 
So they're like, hey, here's your points. They give you a little card. It has all these points on it. It's just a bunch of grids, a map, a compass, a little fucking red light. Right. And then you got to go find all these points. And I fucking ran from every single point, like sprinted. I was in pretty good shape. Like I was, I was breaking like the the two mile run record for the unit and everything else. Like I was, I was just, I was a runner. So I ran day and night and I mean, there's some fucking swamps and stuff. I remember just bashing up my shins on logs and tripping and fucking getting poked in the eye with branches and shit. And, and, uh, you know, some of the times I was crying, you know, of just course. thinking about it of and course. try to like get it out of your head. And anyway, so there was that going into to ranger school, which sucked Cause then you have 60 days. It's just kind of think about what's going on back home. Cause you have no communications. It's not like it can hop on my cell phone and be like, Hey mom, how you doing? How's the family doing? Like it's you're dark for 60 days of the school. I assume they, they informed your family that, excuse me, I assume that they informed your family of your, your decision. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, as soon as I made that decision, I hopped on, I was headed straight to the airport in Atlanta and called my mom, say I'm coming home for the next two days and just kind of with the family, help things get ready and things like that. And they, uh, they essentially expedited it because funerals usually happen to like, a few days so you after didn't, you didn't miss the funeral i didn't miss okay. the funeral so that's, i was there for the good. funeral that's good and uh and it's literally the same day of the funeral i have a picture of me at the funeral i have like my bald fucking head and and uh went to the funeral flew back that same night back to fort benning to jump back into my school <sighs> so i don't have to get recycled and but yeah so there was that and uh but yeah i mean it didn't that's make crazy, it easier man. well of, yeah it was added stress not. on top of everything else but jeez man yeah, you go through that, you can go through, I mean, anything, man. I mean, you're already going through the shit, and then you get something like that thrown at you. That's tough. That is tough. Um, I, I, you know, I hate to, and, and again, if this is something that, you know, if we're touching on stuff that you don't, you don't want to talk about or whatever, we, you know, it's no big deal. But, sure. I mean, how how do you how do you cope with the loss of your brother while you're in the, you know, while you're going through your training and, and everything else? I mean. Uh, I mean, that maybe it sounds like a dick, but there's – at least me. I don't want to speak for every, the for the world, but sure. Um, I block it out. Like I'm yeah. good at blocking shit out, and yeah. you can't always like you can't always get it out of your head. There's times where it, what occupies your your thoughts, and you think about it, and then you just got to kick it out, you know. But yeah, uh, me me and my brother, we 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 fought a lot as kids. I mean, like little fist fights. Sure. Um, I think he tried to stab me once. <laughs> and uh, is that why you got these? Yeah, those are my defense machetes, but but we we were really good friends. I mean, every fight we had, it was it almost kind of made our bond a little bit closer. Sure, sure. Um, but he would, like I said, I would fight with his friends all the time because you were bringing drugs to the house. Like I, no shit. Literally, I think like three fist fights with his friends, and uh, I I slapped him like open hand slapped him one day and said, "Hey, keep your fucking friends out of the house. You know, you know, we don't need that bullshit here." And blah blah blah. And, uh, he got in my face. I bitch slapped him. I went, this is late at night. And right. I went, got ready for bed. I'm laying down in my room. I locked my room at night. Like this is the household I grew up in. Like I had a deadbolt on my fucking bedroom room. So I deadbolt it. Cause I don't want because these... of him and the people. Yeah. Cause there's around. people doing drugs in the house. You know, they're fucking hallucinating everything else. I don't want to get stabbed in my Your parents sleep. are gone. Cause they're traveling or my what's... dad was typically gone. Cause he was traveling and, um, my mom, bless her heart just was kind of sure. clueless to what sure. was going on sure. to a sense. It, she wasn't clueless because it wasn't, there was no way you could not know what was going on in the house. She had a general idea of what was going yeah. on. Yeah. And anyway, so there's pounding on my door and he's like, hey, why don't, you know, it was my brother's friend. He was a bigger kid. He's like, why don't you come out here and, and pick on somebody your own size? And I'm trying to ignore it, trying to ignore it. I have a very long fuse, but it can go really quick. <laughs> you know, it can go yeah. very quick. And when it goes... I, I turn into a different person. I fucking black out and yeah, it's, yeah. it scares even myself. Cause I'm like, what the fuck is that crazy guy going to do <laughs> anyway? So I'm letting it go. He, he would not give up. He was fucking relentless. So I opened the door and literally just punch him in his fucking mouth. And uh, he buckles at the knees, falls on the floor. I close my door, <laughs> lock it again, go to bed. And he shows up literally a week later with like a wire, like it broke his jaw, like one of those <laughs> wire things. And I always feel bad after the fact, you know, but it's like, man, you're fucking pounding on my door late at night. Like, what do you think is going to happen? You were literally asking for it. I mean, yeah. But then I, you know, I, I'm, uh, I like people. Yeah. I, I have a love hate relationship with people. Yeah. 
but I like I want to see people do well. I don't want to see people struggle. And a lot of I think a lot of time people are assholes be just because they they're in a shit situation they can't fix and they just kind of creates this persona of a shitty person. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, anyway, I felt bad about it. So but uh, but there was there's probably you know three or four or five of those stories that happened in my house. Um, That's funny. you know my brother was overdosed one night. The paramedics had to come get him. They put charcoal, feeding him charcoal. And this is before Narcan. I mean, before Narcan got big. Probably. Okay. I mean, this is back in the 90s, you 90s, know. 90s, yeah. So it would have been, uh, yeah. So they're doing the activated charcoal. Sure. And then they pump their stomach when they get them to the hospital. And <clears throat> the kid who brought the drugs over was there. So I end up getting in a fist fight with him as they're carting my bro- brother's body out of the <laughs> house with this gurney anyway. Jeez, so, man. I mean, that was my childhood. But um, I remember giving CPR to some of the kids who overdosed in the basement, you know, at 14 years old, giving other kids CPR with their fucking ghost foamy mouths and... Jeez, dude. But, this uh, is, and I didn't know any better. It's but. And, and and I'm sorry if you don't like to talk about that, you know, that stuff growing up, but man, oh, it's, okay. it's it is it's it's refreshing, I think, for people to hear that because um I think a lot of people they, they see people's success, right? They they see that people have had success and they see everything that they've done and they think everything's been been all, you know, easy for them. You know what I mean, their whole life. They don't really see everything that leads up to it. And so that's, dude, that's awesome. I, I had no idea about any of that. I mean, you know, you can find certain things, you know, just doing your research, but, um, man, hearing it straight from you, that's crazy. Yeah, I, th- I think mo- I'm not, I'm not any exception to the, to this case. Obviously I think most people who are successful in business, not to say I'm like this huge successful business guy, but you know, I, I, I can pay the bills. I have a good business sure. and, um, you know, I have like 32 employees that work for us now, which, which my favorite part of the business is cutting checks to those guys. It's, I saw you cut checks to your kids the other day. Yep, cut checks to my kids, <laughs> my two newest employees, and they're doing an awesome job. But so uh, cool. They're they're my tax write offs. Is what I call them, tax write off one and two. <laughs> but I think most people who have success in their lives probably have some kind of a history of background like that. For the most, I mean, it's, sure, it's, sure, uh, it's not a requirement. But there's a lot of people, and in regardless of where somebody is in their life and what their trials are. Right. Um, anybody can be whatever they want to be, not to sound cliche, but, uh, you know, I don't think, I don't think someone's childhood history or whatever it is negates somebody from being successful or getting to where they want to be in life. If anything, it helps, you know, it kind right. of gives you right a better foundation to, and motivation to get you where you want to be, yeah. you know, than yeah. the guy who grew up with money and successful parents. And so, yeah, it's. Yeah, it's cool, man. And, and, you know, I can't wait to these, – these are some – so people like you are going to be my favorite guests, right? We've got a guy. He's, he's a comedian out of uh, out of L.A. His name is Russell Peters. He's going to be coming on as well. Like, and, and Russell's great. He's a good guy. But for me, I get a kick out of, um, you know, meeting with, with the Seals, the Rangers, the Marsot guys because there's – they've got stories that aren't – it's not always about the um, – what they did in the teams, right? It, there's a lot of stuff that goes – that happened beforehand and stuff that happened after – that's the stuff that I think a lot of people really like to hear. Because, I mean, you can find books and everything else on Ranger School and, and Buds. And sure. so, um, it, I don't know. I, 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 love, I love hearing about that, diff, you know, those different types of, of things. And so, another thing that I've, you know, I, one of the people that I, I want to end up talking about is, or talking to is, is Matt Best. Um, Matt, and, and, and I, don't know, I don't know Evan real well. Um, I met Matt one time nothing crazy just in passing that's all it was but the guy that does my tattoos he does he's he does mats um will up in salt lake yeah yeah um, Will's, i've met will a couple times about a couple guns here Great yeah guy. So, yeah so he's going down to he's moving down to texas and and we were talking about the the podcast and and you know who donut operator is yeah so he's he's I actually said, met donut uh super cool fucking dude he's down in texas too right yeah he's down yeah. in san antonio uh, I went down there for a thing that uh, Black Rock Coffee does, a, a kind of an archery challenge thing right, for right. wounded vets, and Donut was there, and we hung out. He's a, I'm a big fan of Donut. He's a cool dude. Yeah, yeah, he's he's he sounds awesome. I mean, and so I was just talking to 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 Will about it, and and you know he's telling me he's like, oh yeah, I'm I'm working on on a sketch for a tattoo for for I, he calls him Donut. I don't know his name, but. Um, and then he's doing one for Matt and he's like, yeah, he's like, yeah, come down and do an episode maybe down in, in wherever I have my shop. And he starts telling me that he might be putting a shop in Black Rifle's office. Down in San Antonio or in Salt Lake? In Salt, in San Antonio, excuse me. Oh yeah. And so I was like, holy shit, like that would be amazing. You know what I mean? So Matt, um, Matt's, uh, Matt was in the Rangers with me. Um, did you guys go through at the same time? 
I mean, we were in at the same time. He, he, you know, different companies. Sure. So I wasn't on his team or anything. We actually, after we didn't know this at the time, but we found out later after we were talking down in San Antonio or Utah, wherever. And uh, so I was in Bagram, and we had two teams there. It was it was you know Matt was there with his team, I was there with mine, and we were in Bagram, and he was in Salerno. And every two weeks we would switch. So, <laughs> you know, we switched with this other Ranger team. And uh, that was it was Matt we were switching with. I didn't know it at the Such time. Such a small but, world, dude. Yeah. So, Damn. but I but I knew Matt from from Italian, and then obviously afterward, and and Matt and Ev, Evan's one of my best friends. He's one, he's one of the oh, coolest really? guys you'll ever find. He's the me. CEO, correct? Of, yeah, founder okay. CEO of Black Rifle Coffee. So that's awesome. He's man. he's the coffee nerd. Um, Matt's the looks, you know. <laughs> Just kidding. Matt Matt's uh. Matt's actually a super fucking savvy business dude too. Like if he you sounds ever, if like you ever it. talk business with Matt, like here's the thing with Matt is he is very meticulous and picky with his work. Like he's his own best critic. Like right, Matt is right. only happy with fucking perfection. And uh and it shows in, in their marketing. Like if you look oh at the gosh, backs yeah. are behind you, you know, the art and that, that's all approved by Evan and but uh, I mean, those guys are just fucking good at what they do, and uh, How, we we had the we were down there. Me and Casey went down and ate. Um, you know, Matt and Noel bought a sushi, and just just cool, cool guys. Are, and how did how did that whole relationship come about? I mean, it's I, obviously there's some common ground. You know, having you know both both of you been you know Rangers, and Evan was in the, he was in the teams as well. Was Matt, he or no? Uh, sorry, Evan was with uh, SF. He was okay. Green Beret. Yeah. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, it's and so I, yeah, I've always I've always wondered. I mean, ever since you know I've I've heard about black excuse me heard about black rifle. You hear about ready gunner and vice versa. And so for me, I'm like, how did that how that come to fruition? How that how did everything connect? Well, so obviously I knew them, and then you know they had their original headquarters before they moved to San Antonio here in Salt Lake City. Right. And uh, obviously I knew Matt from from the military, and uh, and then. Uh, a guy named Rocco, do you know Vargas? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, Vargas. awesome guy. I was actually with him in Bagram, and uh, he's actually the one who essentially introduced me to Evan Hafer. Uh, he was, you know, Rocco was another ranger, and uh, me and uh, Evan. Evan was also a river guy when he was a kid. Like, no grew shit. Up running rivers and things <laughs> like that. So we have very similar backgrounds. That's awesome. And he invited me on a river trip, not knowing anything about my river running past. And was he you know, like, when he found out, he's like, what <laughs> the, yeah. So that's cool. But anyway, they were down here one day and they're like, Hey, why don't we just put a fucking coffee shop in here? Uh, maybe I asked them. I can't remember. Was this but, before, was this while they were, I mean, how, how big was black rifle at this point? This is probably three years ago. Okay. So black rifle, I mean, those guys, they took off. They, yeah, they were established they in 2014. Did. And so what was it? 2017. So three years after they started the business, they, I think they had one coffee shop at the time in like battlefield Vegas or something like that. Okay. And uh, now that they're building franchises like Wildfire all over the U.S. Oh, standalone business. Standalone, yeah. That's cool, man. Yeah. That's awesome. So we're actually looking to do one here in Spanish Fork, uh, hopefully oh, here nice. by the end of the year. That's awesome. Them. But, uh, but yeah, so we put a coffee shop in, which has been awesome for the clients shopping here, people in the classes, and personally myself when I come to work and get oh, a yeah, nice dude, just cup of coffee. coffee. If you've had, this is turning into a Black Raffle Coffee commercial, but if you, if you go to Starbucks and then you go to Black Raffle Coffee, just the difference in fucking taste. Exactly. Like it, it ruined me. I used to I used to drink Starbucks because they were everywhere. So everywhere I travel, I get Starbucks at the airport on the road. Yep. And now I have black off a coffee every morning, and I go travel, and I try. I, I haven't been able to finish more than probably a third of a Starbucks cup of coffee. It doesn't taste near as good. So if you if you want to be able to still drink Starbucks coffee, don't drink black raffle coffee because you can taste how shitty that exactly burnt coffee exactly. is because it's just it's awesome, but. Uh, so anyway, I, I used to be a cop, right? So I worked at Utah County. So for, for my cop friends, because all of you keep asking me about who my next guest is, come to Neil's shop. You know where it's at and get some get some coffee. Yeah, Don't. dude. I, my favorite thing is watching people walk out of here with a gun in one hand and a black raffle coffee in the other. That's, <laughs> yeah. That day that I came and got these, that's yeah. exactly what I did. I got, yeah. a, I got a bag of coffee. I got some K-cups. I'm like, look at the smile it, on that guy's he, face. Oh, yeah, man. It was, <laughs> it was awesome. It was such – I loved it. I loved it. That's – that's one of the coolest things I think about Ready Gunner, man, is, is you know, the company that I work for now is, is, is actually, um, it's, it's Megat. 
um, uh, the competitor to actually yeah, target yeah. based out of Georgia. Um, so we see a lot of, I don't do a whole lot of commercial stuff. That's just how, I mean, up in the Northeast, more my, LE stuff or my for my, my focus is more law enforcement and, yeah. and doing, doing stuff with, you know, secret service and, you know, DC. And so it's not, I mean, and it, it's hard for me to do commercial stuff because you come here and you see places like ready gunner or you see, um, did you ever go out and do any, did you ever go see any ranges that action did out in the Midwest uh, with Jeff no, Swanson? No, I haven't. So they, and Jeff did a great job as well. But when it comes to, I mean, Action Target has got a great range and great, great facility to show off to people. It's hard for me because, I mean, it, you can't just be like, hey, come check out Ready Gunner, you know, from the Northeast to come look at it because they think that their idea is better. When yeah, it's really we not. actually hold, so Action Target holds their range, range conference like, yep. like once every quarter or something like that before you got this done we used to go up to tnt yeah so so now they come here which i i, I love you know yeah, there's always yeah. that concern it's like essentially you have a bunch of competitors exactly coming to your store and checking it out stealing yeah. your ideas or whatever yeah. but I, I love it i love talking to other range owners store owners i guess not range owners at the time because they're looking to build the range sure. but people who own a gun store or are looking to build a gun store slash shooting range yeah and i do a q a with them they ask me questions i give myself one i'm like Hey, you got questions? You let me know. Casey, but, Casey uh, said you did like a four-hour Q and A last time. Yeah, it went forever, <laughs> which was awesome. You know, I, I like talking oh. to people because I did something similar. I went to the conference that Action Target had, and I talked to a lot of people. But there's yeah. all these unanswered questions you don't know when you build the shooting range. Like, what do I need to know? So if I can take any of that uh, gray area out of the yeah. out of the question yeah. for these guys and answer and answer those questions, then it you know just. Again, just it's sure. kind of nice. I like helping people, but sure. uh, yeah. as long as you're not building a range within 50 miles of mine, you know we're cool, man. Dude, if you're, I, to if be you're, honest, if you're going to build one down the road and you're going to ask me questions, I'm probably not going to help you. I gotta, I gotta stay in business, you know. To, to be honest, though, I mean, I, I think if someone built one right across the street, I just don't see it. You know what I mean? I do, you, you've got it. You've got everything right. I mean, you've got you've got the 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 retail portion down. You've got the range portion down. You've got the social media down for you, your wife, your your shop. Dude, there's that's such a it's such a missing. I mean, very rarely do you see a business, just any business, have all three of those things down pat. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, it's a lot of work. Oh, but, absolutely. But now we have we absolutely. have employees like we have a good media team. You know, Rylan heads that, and he he kills it. Um, and so which, which just, who's that? That's not the guy with the big beard, right? Because I, I bought that's all my Willie. guns. Bought all my guns. Willie's from Willie. my. Had a beer he's with essentially come to GM. He's a general manager for the store. He's the Gandalf of guns. You know, we have a bunch of different names for him. But, uh, yeah, big bearded guy. And uh, he runs a store. And he's the one that gives me a sense of peace when I leave for, yeah. out of town for a yeah. week that the store is going to yeah. be okay. Yeah, it's every gun I bought here has, has been from Willie. From Gandalf, yeah. Kind of unintentionally. Yep. But it's just, I mean, I know that <laughs> dude is just, I mean, he gets it written up quick. He just, he, he moves quickly. So I'm like, hey, I was like, is the guy with the beard here? And yeah. he'll, they're like, yeah, he's over there. Yeah, he's got his own little black book. If he ever leaves me, he can start his own gun store with the black book of clients he has. I should make but, him sign it on compete or something. Yeah, no, no shit. Yeah, I was down at uh, I was down at Strap Tank. I was having a beer with some buddies, and uh, I saw him, and I was like, I know this fucking dude from somewhere, and yeah, and I, I don't know how many guns I bought from him, and I'm just like, I I know him, so I turn around, and I'm like, or I was wearing a ready gunner hat, and I was yeah. wearing it backwards, and he's sitting behind me. He goes, you buy, he goes, you buy that at Ready Gunner. <laughs> <laughs> like of course I bought it at Ready Gunner, and then uh, I was like, okay, I remember you. You 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 were the one that sold me my guns, and and he's he's a funny guy, man. You got you got some great people working here. Um, yeah, yeah, we do. We're lucky. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. I mean, so so now, um, your 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 plans. I mean, I, are you guys going to be opening up more Ready Gunner locations? What's so that's the, a plan. That was actually slated for 2020 and then shit hit the fan and, <laughs> and inventory was hard to get. I didn't want to open a store and I have like two guns on the wall. Yeah, exactly. So now that things are kind of returning, uh, as far as inventory is concerned, back to kind of a normal level, ammunition is sure. still pretty tough to get. We're, we're looking again. So yeah, we're in the site location process, which is the most difficult part is just finding a place to open up. A Another new one store. here in Utah or in Utah. Okay. Yeah. So we, we want to keep it close. Obviously, I don't I don't feel comfortable going out of state yet. Um, sure. But uh, but eventually that's a plan. You Maybe know, I like to have stores nationwide, uh, be at awesome, least in the gun friendly states. I don't want to deal with uh, with you know states like California. Like I don't think we'll ever have a California store or anything like that. 
But, yeah, that's the plan, so uh, we'll you, see. You link up with Mark Lamb out of Arizona, man. He, he'd he be touting Ready Gunner left and right. He's Mark's we've, a stud. Dude, I know Mark. We've, yeah. been, we've been texting. Yeah, I, he's I told a good him, dude. Uh, He's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna hate me for saying this, but I, t- I told him I was doing my interview with you, and he's like, <laughs> he like, he thinks your wife's cute. Yeah. Um, well, so he goes, she she's, she's beautiful, and so it was just funny. He goes, he goes, oh, Neil and Buff Cookie with the little, little <laughs> yeah. <emoji." laughs> and so he's, uh, he's dead set on on coming up and and doing a big, you know, big thing here up here with you guys. And but yeah, yeah you're right, man. He is, he's a phenomenal. I can't even talk. A phenomenal. He's a, he's a good dude. He's a, um, is it Penal Counties? He's Penal with? County, yep. Penal, yep. how you pronounce it. I'm not an Arizonian. Yeah, so. yeah. No, I, I only know from Penal. Yeah, Penal, yeah. Penal from, County. Uh, yeah, they're lucky to have him. He's a good, he's a good dude. Yeah, it's it's funny. I, I didn't even know that he was, that he wasn't, you know, law enforcement his whole career. He went in when he was like 32, 33. So, yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, yeah, he's just a lot of good people in this industry, man. I mean, in this industry the the military law enforcement it's 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 been great um getting to know a lot of these people we have a guy out in uh out in the northeast and and i i don't know if you know i asked i asked mark the same question do you know many of the nra board members i don't you don't so there's a guy out there he's very very good friends with the trump family and so we went out and and he's actually looking to put up a a huge facility um out in pennsylvania and uh for for once, we finally have a client that money isn't the issue. It's uh he can't get guarantees on ammunition, and so he's he's no like, one yeah. can. There's no guarantee on ammunitions right now. My why why is that? I mean, for every Just for everybody wanting to it. know why they can't get nine mil or whatever it may be, this is the guy that's going to tell you right now. Well, it's it's well, there's it depends on who it is. Like right now, I'm doing these big shipments with PMC ammunition. It's actually made in South Korea. That's your bulk imported. ammunition that you're selling on your on uh, website, correct? That's I'm getting it from everywhere. I mean, okay. I'm a direct dealer, seller, buyer, whatever you want to call it, with Federal, which I mean, sure, Vista Outdoors, right? Which incorporates right. Federal Remington now that they bought Remington Spears. I mean, a ton. Magtech sell you in Bellet and. Sure. Uh, PMC. PMC, they're like, we have a warehouse full of ammo. Shit tons. Like, I have seven pallets sitting in a warehouse right now in Long Beach, and they can't find truck drivers for it. No shit. For some people, there's choke points in small pistol primer. So I think there's kind of issues across the board. Interesting. Uh, the conspiracy theory is that uh, everyone's kind of holding it back on purpose just to keep prices up high, which right. I don't know if I believe that um, because stores, I mean, you got to think about it. There's, what, 30,000 retailers across the U.S., all trying to buy this stuff from a handful of manufacturers. Uh, so I think I think the demand is still high. Sure. Um, oh, it's so, definitely so that's, high. I so mean, that's you... the biggest thing, and, and it's loosening up. We're starting to see it more. We did a we did a we called it a case lot sell, and because I got a huge truckload, a semi truck full of ammo, we were selling by the case. We dropped our prices. Uh, but was now it just gone like that? Oh yeah, I mean it was gone in two days. You know, so Jeez. but. You know, funny story. Talking to my Vista rep, this is this is last year when ammo was really tough. I'm like, look, if I write you a check for a million dollars, can you get me ammo? He's like, no. Everyone wants to write us a check for a million dollars. Like it, it, they have POs going into like 2024 apparently. Are so you they serious? have such a backlog of orders, and unless people start canceling or something like that, I mean, those guys don't. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It's like we already have purchase orders for everything that we've manufactured for the next two years that's insane so that is insane man i but but again it's we're, we're kind of starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel um we're seeing more ammo now than i've seen in the last year and a half so yeah How, how's the uh <clears throat> i don't know why but you, you made me just think about this but um whenever you were coming up with this idea for ready gunner um versus when so okay so when you started this idea was Trump was he elected yet? Because I think I remember seeing you down at Shot Show. Ready when, Gunner. Yeah. Oh, I opened Ready Gunner under Obama. That's right. See, that that's yeah. my question. But yeah, so 2010 um, is when we opened. Right, and that's that's my question. So how is it vary between um, the uh, and and not to get super political or whatever, but between the Obama administration to we, Donald Trump? We to killed. We killed it. I mean, the gun businesses thrive better under Democratic presidency. To sure. be honest with you. Sure. Uh, historically speaking, in ten in eleven years now of doing business, 
under Obama, we killed it. Yeah. Absolutely killed it. Um, it's probably a, a really good time for us to open a gun store. Sure. Because he, you know, he was very anti-gun. He was always talking about banning guns, uh, implementing assault rifle bans, as they call it. Um, all kinds of stuff. Sandy Hook happened under him, yep. which you know, that was probably the last time we saw uh, uh, the kind of the same ammunition crisis we're seeing right now. Uh, AR-15s you couldn't find because everyone was everyone thought for sure after Sandy Hook ARs were going to get banned. Yeah. Uh, and then Trump got elected and, you know, under a Republican president, people feel a little more safe that sure. their, their guns and everything else are going to be okay. And no one's going to come take them away. So, you know, everyone called it the Trump slump. We had the Trump slump where sales were down compared to the previous administration. And then, uh, COVID-19 hits and then going into the George Floyd riots, everything else. I mean, everything that's happened from March of 2020 till now. It's been in in our history, and I think in the history of just our country, the biggest gun sale year and a half ever. Yeah, it's it's, it's if un- you can get inventory, right? So talking to my distributors, there were some gun stores going out of business because they couldn't get inventory because maybe they were a smaller shop, they didn't have the financial ability to make bigger port purchases that were required or things like that, or they weren't getting allocation from their reps through distributors or direct because they were such a small account and they were sending all the alloc- everything, everything became allocated. Yeah. They were sending yep. all their allocations to their big accounts. What's the, what was the range down in that Mike used to own? Mike still will. Um, the, uh, oh, uh, I can't think of the name of it. It just got bought, and that Kevin guy. It's he, Discount Guns and it. Ammo that's, that's now. That's what it is now, yeah. But so it, was, it was Range Masters. Range Masters, yep. So, yeah, Discount Gun, man. I, I remember going in there, and I, I was just looking to pick up. A, this is when I lived down south, and I was just looking to, to pick up a just a, just another 9 millimeter for my wife. Yeah. I walked in there. Dude, there was nothing. I mean, they had some. They had their rental guns, but there really wasn't much to, to purchase. Yeah. And, which it makes sense now hearing, hearing that from you. Um so yeah that's that's just that's unbelievable but yeah but we, we've had our, our best probably 15 16 months ever <laughs> this one so when i bought this 43 from willie he goes so he's got a dry sense of humor from what i can tell it seems he's like, very sarcastic he's always right. kidding but you can't tell right because he doesn't he doesn't smile when he does it whenever yeah. you know what i mean and so so he was he was talking to this guy next to me as he's as he's writing my paperwork or as he's uh, filling out my paperwork and we're talking about the same thing about the biden administration and and this guy was like, this, this, I don't, it was some client. He, he's, you know, calling Kamala, you know, I don't even know if you can. A naughty you, word, yeah. Can, yeah. can you even say that stuff on, I mean, on, on radio? I, I mean, don't know. It's your show, man. <laughs> I can say whatever I was, I so, I was hoping you'd say it. And then I'd just be like, hey, no, he's, sorry, I can't control him. He's a ranger. Bitch, there you go. <laughs> he's a ranger, guys. I can't, I can't do anything about it. But, uh, yeah, so Willie was like, he goes, hey, don't, he goes, hey, don't talk about her like that. And the guy was, the, the customer was like. Oh, um, Willie goes, I owe her a dinner. He goes, I've sold more guns because of her than anybody else. And I, it caught me off guard too. I was like, oh shit, is he like, he's serious. He's going to kick me out. And so, yeah, it was, dude, it was funny, but they're good for business. I'll give him that, you know, but, uh, yeah, you know, short of whatever stupid laws they want to pass and whatever freedoms they want to infringe on. But, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, fortunately we, we, we still have a lot of guys on, you know, um, organizations, gun policy, and people like that who sure, sure put up a good fight and make it difficult for them to pass absolutely law. So, absolutely. Well, you know, I like I said, I'm from Missouri, so I've got a lot of friends from back home that listen. So, I mean, all my Utah friends, they all know who you are. I mean, they they know who you are. They know about your store, your brand. So, where can where can people find you on social media? So, my social media is Neil N E A L, just my name. Um, Ready Gunners is just Ready Gunner at Ready Gunner. You mostly on Instagram. Where do you? Where Insta- do you? Insta- yeah. So I was. I know Facebook's with the gun <laughs> thing. It's it's. Did kinda, you hit me up on Facebook? I hit you up on Facebook. So I'm never on Facebook. So people think I'm on Facebook because I post to Facebook. But, but the only reason I post is because it, from, it aggregates from Instagram. Sure, sure. So I post on Instagram and it's connected to my Facebook. So I post on Facebook. I'll go on there and I see all these people commenting and saying nice things, and I always feel like an asshole because I never go on Facebook to be like. Hey, thanks, man, or like the comment or anything like that. Like it's just a fucking dead page. Yeah, I didn't want to be overbearing, so I, you know, I sent one on Facebook. And I was no, because like, okay, you well, sent me a message, and then like it took me like ten days to respond to it. Yeah, because no, I typically I, don't go on there. If you DM me on Instagram, I'm a little bit better. Yeah, I hit way you up better. And, but uh, yeah, so 
yeah so instagram is is usually where i'm on cool man cool but yeah i mean i mean are there any are there any i know you guys have your online store that's i, I assume it's yeah readygunner.com is a website we have a full i mean everything we sell in store you can buy online um ammunition you know we've been populating a lot more ammunition on there if you guys are looking for five five six nine mil or essentially really any gun right now we have in stock. I mean, we have a shitload of stuff. They can ship them to your FFL as well. Correct? Yeah, so I mean, guns whatever. have to be shipped to an FFL. Everything else, it's not a FFL item can be shipped directly to your Like Amazon. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the Amazon of the gun world. That's right. What about... Uh, we should call it Amagun. Am- Amagun. There you go. Yeah. Hey, trademark it. Yep. Let's, let's do it. I get Start a part of that. Start guns with drones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then I, I know that... So Casey was talking about your Black Friday sale. Has that passed or is that... That's this weekend, so it's our, it's our second biggest sale of the year. So Black Friday is the actual Black Friday is number one, and then we call it Black Friday in July is number two. That's this weekend, so I'll get this out before everything then. is everything is discounted. How long will that last? It's it's through the weekend, so through Friday weekend. through uh, Sunday, yeah. Okay, cool, man, cool. Well, Neil, I appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks uh, for having thanks me for on. Taking the time and. Uh, and yeah, when when Mark Lamb comes up, man, let's 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 do a let's do a thing. Let's, let's get yeah, everybody let's together. Go, shoot, and, go get some dolphins and shoot some machine guns or something. Hell yeah, drink man. coffee. I love it. All right, brother. Thanks, Thank man. you.